Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Matthew Chu. It's almost the end of 2019. Today's the 29th. I'm talking to you now as the Climate Buddha. I don't know if my homework is as good as it needs to be on this, but I heard that Greta is going to be interviewing Sir David Attenborough. And I don't know what subject matter will be, but it will probably be something along the lines of climate and uh, climate emergency and the urgency of the issue. I'm sure Sir David has a lot to say on the issue. He is a professional broadcaster who has an audience that knows his name. It would be conservative estimate of 20 to 100 million people probably know who Sir David Attenborough is. This form of concentration of power where one person's voice gets amplified, magnified, and used as a tool for the television industry to make money, and that is the overriding goal of the industry. But This concentration of power, I'd like to ask Greta to discuss what he has done with that concentration of power and how well it's worked out for the planet and whether or not the usage of the concentration of power that his audience of 100 million um, was used effectively to change the climate in time. I think what we have is a failure of a system of concentrating power, is that even with the most reliable and the highest degree of educational accomplishment, the, the, the greatest intellectual achievement is Sir David Attenborough and those like him. These are the pinnacles of the human race's ability to cognize the world, to understand it be able to put it in context. Sir David's work is on nature issues have been exemplary. You know. He has consistently provided the world with the information that they needed to understand nature. But with this great concentration of power, with one of our greatest intellectual achievements as the human race in the same category of Carl Sagan and Albert Schweitzer and all of the great, fantastic intellects that we have come together have all collectively failed to fix the climate problem. The, the built-in biases of the human mind, and although Sir David was well served to give us the information that he did about the subject matters that he has, He did not give us the information in time and stay on the subject long enough and discuss it ad nauseum until the world changed. That didn't happen. In fact, it didn't happen anywhere. Nobody screamed loud enough, long enough, to cause change. Guy McPherson is one of the few that has screamed loud enough and long enough and... He has not succeeded. 
He needed more voices. He needed more power in his message. This concentration of power process is the underpinning of distribute power. Hashtag distribute power. The basic question is, is should we be concentrating intellectual power in the hands of the few? Should we be concentrating any form of power into the hands of the few? Now, the work of Einstein, Oppenheimer, and our physicist generation after generation as they unlock the mysteries of the atom and the, and the star system above us. That this is a collectivist human accomplishment. We are using those minds as a whole, as our collectivist tribal system. So if your tribe happens to have a very smart Oppenheimer in it, that tribe tends to prosper. And there's many distinct advantages for that tribe to have many great intellectual minds. But then again, this tribal possession of this intellect did not result in it being used to fix climate change. It's the most important issue on the planet because it has to do directly with your survival. Every other issue from abortion to women's rights certainly has its place in the zygist. But the only thing that matters, the only thing, is having a survivable environment. Once that's been taken away, then the rest of it's irrelevant, isn't it? I think scientists know this. Intuitively, they knew it. Carl Sagan stated it. But as generation after generation of new ecologically aware people come into the communities, they realize, wow, we're burning things that aren't replaceable. And, you know, how long can that go? You simply don't have to be a mathematical genius to realize that it's possible to run out of resources. And the magic of our economic system how we've been able to meet the needs of 7 billion people on the planet. And, you know, what, what essentially becomes arguments of bragging rights of what we've already done with our technological sophistication and agricultural, agricultural gains and miracles of communication and transportation. A ship, you just have no idea what one container ship's technology it represents as a concentration of of transportative power. These are collective issues. How are we using our transportative power? How are we using our intellectual power? How are we using power in general? And who is making the decision of that usage? The thing is, is that business as usual works great for the people who have positions of, of power over others. The system is is proven to be very successful for organizing tribes and putting together projects and being able to break down complex things into chunks that are able for, you know, humans to be able to handle this. This leadership style uh, of being able to concentrate power with a person who can organize that 
um, has worked out fantastically. And it's given us so many of our abilities. But this system failed totally to stop climate change. It failed so profoundly at that one thing that we are now all certain in the near term to face consequences in the weather that could lead to our demise. How important is that? That we look at ourselves as the, the tree monkey who found the savannah. How, when we look at ourselves and say, this evolutionary thing that became what we are today with our SUVs in suburbia, all of that developmental stage, there's still that natural man within us. That natural man and its thoughts, drives, and sociological epigenetics, all of these are ill-suited for dealing with climate change. So, hashtag logical radical asks the question, how much more information do you need for you to decide that we, collectively, need to make radical change? That business as usual, that the things that we do as a species, have failed to stop the most important issue ever in the history of all life on Earth. The greatest conundrum of all was how to produce energy in mass without consequence. We couldn't figure that out. And it turned out creating energy at mass in mass has changed the climate. And although the other alternative ideas from solar panels to wind turbines, hydroelectric, geothermal, and all the other less carbon-intensive uh, energy-producing systems, if they became paramount over the years instead of burning CO2, we would still just have a little more time. We wouldn't have solved the problem because civilization as a whole is a, is a, is a heat-generating machine. It, to the, this is one of the problems of, of the first stage of the universal alignments is that everything must stop and the drawdown and the saying, wait a minute, these high intensity carbon activities have to stop at some point. We need to plan that stop and use that decision to stop within the greatest field of intellectual decision making that the human race can put together. Because it turns out that stopping has consequence we have something called the aerosol masking effect where some of our pollution cools the planet. And when that goes away, the planet heats up in months. Some estimates are as much as three to four degrees worldwide increase in temperature over a six-month period of time from, from aerosol masking. Some of those are estimates are much lower at a quarter of a degree worldwide temperature, but that's still a tremendous amount of heat that's instantly released. So the first universal alignment is to everything must stop we must attain inner peace we must do that with the greatest intellectual minds on earth wading in on that decision the software to do this exists databases are big enough to handle the nuances of a drawdown everybody would be simply reassigned something to do other than what they're doing 
And with a universal wage, the hashtag universal alignment wage, everybody has enough money to live during this transition. It's so important to include a socialized, 100% protective net over the entire planet. Everybody without health care gets it. Everybody without food has the money to buy it. And that basic process of giving all of humanity the right to live in its forest where they are, in its savanna where they are, in the suburbia where they are, they now have the resources to live. Nobody is going to go without. Because we all need to work together instead of compete with one another for limited resources, to compete with one another for food, to compete with one another for warmth and caring and affection. The competition is over. So I would ask Sir David Attenborough, why have humans failed so profoundly with concentrations of power of all types to deal with climate change, with environmental stewardship, with long-term thinking, with planning as a whole that makes sense, with cooperation, and although Sir David Attenborough and those who have gone before him have tried so hard to provide the world with the information they need, Guy McPherson's efforts of telling everybody the god-awful truth about CO2 and exponential change has been met with nothing but obnoxious resistance. There is no reward for telling this truth. What is it about humans that seek out these rewards What is it about those of us, the scientists of the past, who've stood up against all odds and faced execution and death for the truth? Ask Sir David if he's willing to do what it takes to tell us the truth. Ask him if he is able to free himself from his bonds of economic and celebrity and tell us the truth. What is really going on with the climate, Sir David? And if you say it's 2100, 2030, you know in your heart that you're lying to us. Other things to talk about, Sir David, is the entire media system of which he's part of. There's no democratic control of the media. What it decides to put on is what makes it money. I don't know enough about the BBC to compare it as a governmental entity, but nonetheless, it's filled with Monty Python. It's interested in people watching it to be entertained. These processes of gathering audiences, gathering churches, gathering corporations, gathering huge audiences to listen to your music, this human desire to gather and concentrate large sums of people and have them all function in cooperative behavior is a reflection of the of the truth that black white asian indigenous we're all human and we all are connected as humans 
As the universal alignment time completely unfolds, the time when all of us know, by looking out the window in our own personal experience, that the weather has changed so profoundly that our days are numbered, that moment awaits the entire planet. Right now, small percentages of the planet have, have are in universal alignment. But when the entire planet is in universal alignment, where nobody needs any more information than their own personal experience to, to tell you about the effects of climate change, when that moment actually occurs, we'll be connected. Because our common goal will be to do something about the environment. There's two great problems. The drawdown of nuclear power and the length of time that it takes. The places to put the contaminated nuclear power rods, etc. Big problems simply have to be solved before industrial civilization collapses. That's the most important, urgent thing. That we need to keep things together or it'll extinguish everything. We're facing potential Venus-like conditions if things go too far. If we can prevent Venus for the future generations of life that will re-evolve from the cockroaches that survive, if, if we can do that, for life itself. Hashtag instant radical change says that these changes are like a drinker who at one day is a drinker and then in another day is no longer a drinker. The stories of people who've successfully done this fill the pages of books at our bookstores for a reason, because instant radical change is real. It happens, but it happens as a function of the will. It happens as a function of the lack of the will. It happens when it does happen, when instant radical change happens. There is nothing that says that we cannot change instantly. As a society, as a whole, we can give up all of the things that we're currently doing and substitute them with other systems instantly. The solutions to our problems are there. The drawdown can be done. The changes to our energy infrastructure can be done. The best way to do this is the implementation of the hashtag distribute power political solution. We need to change systems and we need to develop a participatory democracy using an interface not too unlike Facebook, using the internet not unlike Wikipedia, using databases and information resources from our ginormously expensive and extensive academic system. All information about politics, all information necessary to make voting choices is unilaterally handed over to our state university systems 
where they will have the exclusive right to broadcast news, political news. At no point can anybody talk about politics, power, and money if they're making money. The only people who need to be talking about politics, power, and money are the intellectual, sociological, and scientific minds that our human species has evolved and where tribes are taking great pride in those accomplishments of intellectual wonder. Those people are going to be reporting our news. They're going to be telling us what's going on. And they're going to give us the information we need to make informed choices. And we don't need any more representational suits and ties, and skirts and purses. The leadership structure of our Congress, the growth of their economic, this is insane. This is no way to run the world. A bunch of people have turned our political system into a money-making machine for themselves. It's rigged. It's fixed. It's broken. It's over. We need 100% policy control turned over to the people. That you can decide what the policies are of our resource usage. Taxation and income-producing processes have just proven to be control mechanisms. There are so many ways to generate enough money to support the American people's will than the current economic system of income taxation. It's over. All forms of slavery will be over with a universal wage. All forms of taxation will be unnecessary with a universal wage. All forms of greed-based, deep consequence, stupidity will end. Six months with this system, and I can change every single aspect of our society towards a more cooperative and loving and happy, where gross national product will be changed to gross national happiness. This is not a utopian dream. This is a technocratic reality. Through specialization, where engineers vote on engineering issues and doctors vote on doctor issues, we can eliminate, eliminate this financial structure that it's become so necessary to make capitalism work. We can eliminate all of that because that will no longer serve the needs of the people who are voting because we all know it doesn't. It's a game for others to play. You didn't know that you were put into a game called the economic system and that, you're, that you were going to sit on the bench some of you became coaches, leaders, and superstars. But this is game theory. If the video games that you play is the reality of our society. Game theory. We can regain the system into something that is no longer a game, but a tool. A tool for all of us to use. To benefit not only ourselves, but all of us all of us everything alive your pets 
have a right to live. And so do the varmints in the neighborhood. And so do the mammals in the sea. Every effort must be made to draw down the nuclear power issue with the world focusing specifically on Chernobyl and Fukushima and whatever the next disaster is. No longer is the disasters in those two locations the local problem of those two problems. These are worldwide problems and require worldwide solutions. Oil wells that are gushing oil into the sea are worldwide problems that require worldwide solutions. If you start to frame the collectivist reality of the interconnected nature of all of us, you realize that the decision to put a nuclear power plant in front of a tsunami-prone area on earthquake-prone areas, landslide-prone areas, and most importantly, putting nuclear power plants in areas that are now with our baked-in increases in worldwide average temperature are going to be underwater. Sea level rise will affect hundreds of nuclear power plants. What if I'm lying and it's, it's, and it's tens, it's just ten? What, what if it's just five? Is that enough nuclear power meltdowns for you? Is that enough to do something about it? Huh? What if I'm wrong and the sea level rise will only affect one more international incident of a nuclear power plant? Just one. Is that enough to move you to decide that the only thing that matters is shutting these things off while we can? Shutting them down and getting their fuel in a place where the damage from its own radioactive decay will be localized as best we can. There isn't an easy answer for this. I have no answer. The UN has no answer. There's no solution to the waste problem yet. And there's so much of it, it can't be flown into space. Sinking it into the Marianas Trench is just going to destroy the ecosystem of the Air Marianas Trench. And the fish down there and the things that live in the bottom of the Marianas Trench have every right to live as the rest of us. I don't have easy solutions, but I do have the direction that we need to move. Hashtag logical radical asks you at what point is there enough evidence that radical change is necessary and that if radical change is not forthcoming, then radical change must, must happen through a methodology that has yet been figured out. But it turns out that Gandhi gave us the best method. The best method was to simply communicate to the leadership structure, to the ownership structure, and to the financial structure and tell them that they must voluntarily sacrifice their current gains and privilege in order to save all life on earth. Once they voluntarily step aside, then we can make instant radical change. They can continue their lives of privilege for as many years as we can squeeze out of the environment. But everything must change for the rest of us. We must avoid 
and the highest priority. We must avoid a fascist genocide as the climate goes wild. When food becomes scarce, when basic needs are not being met due to climatological disruption, we must do everything to avoid the use of the billions and billions of bullets that we are so fond of buying. Fascist genocide has what has gotten certain segments and tribes to be very successful. We need to stop that process because that appears as well to be a strategy that's found in the wild with the chimpanzees. To some extent, collectivist war exists in the wild and their primate neighbors. This clearly is a natural man issue that does not bring forth the greatest confidence in our ability to take care of ourselves sociologically. But this must be resisted with the greatest force of all. And when we see that our religions have not solved climate change, and we see that our religions don't get along well with one another, and we see that our religions have consistently been mouthpieces for the latest genocide, we will see that the religions actually do have something to say about right or wrong. We will see what they have to say when they realize that the idea that there is some unbelievably concentration of power, some astronomical concentration of power, that this huge concentration of power that they all believe in will somehow bestow upon them the solutions. Whereas the Buddhists practicing emptiness meditation are saying that all the power comes from not bringing the mind full of things, but to reduce the mind's sensory bases, to reduce what's going on to the mind, to philosophically understand a point of view that is free from any lack of wisdom. And here we have the paradox of enlightenment. That it's not a concentration of power through collecting, but a concentration of internal power through removing. Hence the paradox of Buddhism and the climate. That as a religion that brings people together and collects them into one space and teaches them in mass what it is teaching them is to empty, simplify, reduce, and maintain happiness. This can be done on a religious level. This can be done as part of the spiritual transformation of the earth. All of our religions can come together and support a non-competitive philosophical worldview that exalts the simplicities of life and the high values of relationships and the interconnectedness of us all, making that a primary motivating force in relation 
to resources, to the environment, and seeing that the greatest power of all, the greatest concentration of power of all, is the huge interconnected thing that we live on. That a miracle of geospatial, a stable moon, location in the Goldilocks zone, sun not too hot. All these things gave us enough stable stability and climate to allow evolution to evolve this kind of intelligence and complexity. We're really lucky. If there are aliens, they would be very lucky to have survived as well. It's unlikely that there are aliens. It's unlikely that there's a technological solution uh, to the climate change conundrum. It's really unlikely that things are just going to be okay. So with, with that kind of maturity and wishful thinking and hope dominating your mind by emptying it of those things, you're left with a sensation of your impending death. So Buddhists everywhere have meditated on the simple koan of I may die today. I may. Truth is, you may as well. Every one of you listeners, at any moment, your life could be snuffed out from any number of reasons. From heart attacks to car accidents to natural disasters of all types. Each one of us is, who has a day that's not facing death or the possibility of death is just living in denial because anybody driving in an automobile in suburbia knows at any moment their lives could end. My simplistic understanding of possibility and probability of death in any given moment is the, is the contemplation of the meditation. You may die today. And when you have a terminal diagnosis due to environmental, economic, sociological change, it's no different than a terminal diagnosis from disease. Not only you, may you die today, but the probability is going to go up exponentially as time passes. Until you'll be facing the moment where you say, wow, the climate change conundrum has caught me in a place where I'm going to die from this. At that moment, you'll be facing the end of your life cycle. And within Buddhist philosophical thought, that moment of death, having a good death, having a death that is free from suffering and sorrow, having a great way to pass, means that the frequency of your mind, your heart, your, your soul, the thing that goes on after you die, the frequency that you're creating, that, when you actually die, the moment of that death, that frequency, that feeling, that, that consciousness or lack of consciousness, or that state of emptiness realized, that moment is what's going to give you the freedom in the next life. If there is no life, 
you had a good death and others got to see you have a good death. And when you're around people who have good deaths, it's a profound experience for the people who, have, who, who, who witness this, that having a good death in many ways is the greatest giving that one can give to those who love you. So, being mature about life and death, about the probabilities of our success or failure as a species, as a question about the necessities of our scientific minds and their usage, the necessities of their technological abilities, the ability to contribute to the tribe, they need to contribute to the, to the whole tribe of humanity now. A repurposing of our intellectual strength to this subject matter is what Sir David Attenborough, if he could help us, bring to bear the greatest minds on the planet to the subject matter. If Sir David's persuasive reach could help unite humanity's intellect on solving the two issues that matter, everything in association with climate change and everything in association with a drawdown of nuclear power. My name is Matthew Chute. I'm the Climate Buddha. Greta, keep doing the good work. Talk to me anytime. I am desperately needing empowerment economically to continue these efforts and energies. I am desperately needing your support in liking and sharing this so that I have more power to help cause power to distribute.